let us at least uh, meet you, get to know you a little bit. Um, we are we are wanting you to be a part of this body. Um, if you'll pay attention, you'll see that we're a, we're a group of people that that genuinely love each other. We're happy to see each other and. We would love for you to be a part of that. Um, along those lines, we usually have a lunch in the fellowship hall. Um, no lunch this week, but what we are inviting you to is uh, the Kearns have graciously uh, agreed to host uh, not just the regular new members, visitors, and college students, but the share groups, uh, anybody really who wants to come. And uh, that's a pretty big deal. They're inviting all of you to their house tonight at 4 o'clock. Um, if you are able, I hope you will make plans to be there for that. Um, you heard me say this morning, fellowship is part of worship. And uh, being together, being in one another's lives, that's what it's all about. And so I hope that uh, you will take advantage of that and um, join us there at 4 o'clock unless... You are one of those who has a speaking part in the Christmas program. If you are, you already know that. So if you don't know, I don't know if that's me. Well, then it's not you. Um, but, but if you know that you're part of that, you need to be here with Melissa Thornton and uh, Heather, and they're going to work with you on that as they're getting geared up for that. So, and then you can come out to the Kearns after you're done. Um, right? Is that fair? Okay. The, the Brad Kearns. Don't show up at Chris's house. Chris is not going to have anything for you. I'm just making sure I was clearing that up because, you know, you're going to get confused. Um, a couple of other things before we dive in this week. Um, one of those is Wednesday night is our fall festival. That is where uh, we are going to, uh, we're going to have this place full of booths and, and uh, uh, ways that we're going to hand out candy. And, and basically, we're going to show love to the children of this community. That is a very important ministry and outreach. We're expecting a huge turnout um, because uh, Heather has, has got it into the schools. I know that, that most of the elementary schools sent home a flyer inviting all those children here on Wednesday night. And so we need you to be here because whether you're part of that or not, we can still find a way for you to serve in that regard. And so uh, this is a huge ministry. This is a huge outreach. And you need to make plans to be here on Wednesday night, 530 to 730, regular class time, regular church time. Plan on being here. Plan on participating in that. Finally, this is our last week for uh, the Racktober. If you don't know what that is, we do this thing in October where we perform random acts of kindness. Basically, you just do something crazy for people um, and just hand them one of these cards. The other day, I went through the Starbucks drive-thru, and as I pulled up, the, uh, the baristas come running out. There's two or three of them come to the drive-thru window. I go there enough, they know my car. Um, but they come running out to the drive-thru window, and she goes, we've been waiting for you to show up all morning because the last time you did and you gave us one of these cards, it went on for an hour. They just passed the card along to each other as the drive-thru. People kept buying each other's coffee. Isn't that cool? Um, that's what this is all about. And so if we can have that kind of impact in the community and, and just brightening people's day and in the name of Jesus, we want to be a part of that. So this is the last week for that, for these cards. Doesn't mean you have to stop doing it. You can do it all year round. But this is the last week for those cards. Pick up some of those in the hub and uh, you can be a part of that. We're starting a new series this week. We're diving into something we're going to call Thin Places. 
Now, this is going to be a little bit hard for some of us to get our minds wrapped around, not because of a lack of understanding, but because we live in the West. We live in Western culture. And Western culture has drawn a hard divide between the physical and the spiritual. We have created this uh, chasm, if you will, where the spiritual sits on one side and our bodies and our physical lives sit on this side and rarely the two shall meet. Rene Ducard, a philosopher that many of you have never heard of, has had more influence on you than you realize because he promoted this idea, this philosophy of dualism that, that your, your spirit and your mind are separate from your body and the physical and what you do. And so we've bought into that in a lot of ways in our culture, and, and we make a hard separation in that. Um, we see that in, in a lot of things that, that we go to from time to time. But the problem is that that's not always scriptural. The, the Gnostics had a, had a, a, a saying, I'm not going to take the time to define Gnosticism because we don't have that time of, kind of time or patience because um, it was very complicated and convoluted, but they believed in the same idea, that the physical and the spiritual were separated. What you did spiritually had no impact on your physical body, and what you did with your physical body had no impact on your spirit. But the problem with those ideas is the Bible doesn't teach that. You can see over and over and over again in Scripture where God says that your physical and your spiritual are connected. I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians 6, for example. Paul says, don't you know, don't you know that your bodies are, that you're already a member of Christ? Don't you know that your bodies are already a member of Christ? You see the language there? Present tense. You are. Not you will be. Not someday you hope to be. Not if you're good enough you might be. You are members of Christ. It's already happening. It's already there. That's the idea in Scripture. And that's the idea of thin places. That there are places, there are spaces in time where the fabric between our world and the spiritual world is thin. Like if you're writing on a thin piece of paper with a magic marker, it bleeds through. Sometimes the spiritual world bleeds into our world, and we call those thin places. We understand that instinctively. Think about it. Think about mountains. Mountains throughout Scripture are spiritual holy places. It's where God meets with His people. It's where His people seek God. And, and we get that because when you go to the mountains, it, it makes you uh, aware uh, of the spiritual in your life. Think about the ocean. When you go to the ocean, the vastness of the ocean reminds you of your own insignificance in the grand scheme of things. And, and you start to feel a spiritual moment. That's why we vacation in places like mountains or oceans. Because we are searching instinctively for thin places. It's not just places you go, though. Sometimes it's things that come to you. Think about birth. Think about death. When our world touches the spiritual world, whether it's coming into this world or going out, it's a place where we are in, instinctively keenly aware that there are other forces at work. There are tons of, of great examples in Scripture of this. Um, you, you, you see it all over the place. Um, 
the Celts were the first ones who really promoted this idea of, of thin places. They were the first ones to use that word. They had this idea that, that the distance between the spiritual and the physical was three feet. Now, Celts are not literal people, so they didn't get out a tape measure and measure that. They're, they're not that legalistic. I remember when we used to go to summer camp. You remember summer camp? Some of y'all went to summer camp. And, and we had a rule that boys and girls couldn't be any closer than four inches. And so the first thing we'd do when we got there is get a stick and measure that sucker to four inches so that we'd hold both ends of it. We call it a courting stick. We'd hold both ends of it. Very legalistic workaround that we found there. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a specific distance. What they were saying was that the spiritual world is closer to our world than we realize. And you see that reflected over and over in Scripture. One of those places is 2 Kings 6. 2 Kings 6, we find the king of Adam. It's written out, it looks like Aram. That's how my East Texas Bible teachers taught it to me. But it's Adam. And, and the king of Adam is trying to kill the king of Israel. And, and he's working really, really hard because they're at war with one another. And the king of Adam has forces that are better trained, that are better equipped. They should be winning this war. But no matter what he tries, he cannot kill the king of Israel. He sets up ambush after ambush after ambush. And every time, the king of Israel ends up being somewhere else. And it's driving him insane. And so the king of Adam calls in all of his generals and all of his advisors, and he says, which one of you guys is playing for the other team? Somebody is selling me out, and I want to know who it is. And they say, no, sir, it's not any of us. There's a prophet in Israel. And that prophet says to the king of Israel the very words that you say in your bedroom. He says that prophet tells the king of Israel where you're setting up an ambush before you ever get there. And so the king of Adam says, well, then let's go capture that prophet. Which, you know, if he knew you were coming for the king, he probably knows you. Never mind. Evil's not ever very smart. You just look, keep that in, in mind. Anyway, he, he goes after... Elisha the prophet and so they go to to the city where Elisha's at and they surround it by night and so when the sun comes up and everybody wakes up they go look out and there's a forces all around them all everywhere and Elisha's servant is terrified and he's saying what will we do however are we going to make it and Elisha's just relaxed laid back and Elisha prays a prayer and he says open his eyes Lord so that he may see. And the servant's eyes are open and he looks and he sees horses and chariots of fire, angelic warriors all around Elisha. Now notice, Elisha didn't pray, Lord, send angels. Elisha didn't pray, Lord, do something. Elisha said, open his eyes and show him what's already there. Thin places places where the spiritual world and the physical world meet. Another one is Daniel chapter 10. We find that the, the angel comes to Daniel and uh, it puts his hand on his shoulder and says, greetings you who are highly esteemed by God. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't you like for an angel to tell you that you are highly esteemed by God? You are, by the way. Um, if, if I can stop and rabbit trail for a minute, you are highly esteemed by God. You are so valuable to God that you were worth the blood of Jesus. 
you don't get any more highly esteemed than that. And so you need to know that. But he says, you who are highly esteemed, um, from the moment you started thinking about this, I've been sent. Not when you prayed. Not when you asked God. But from the first time the thought entered your head, I've been on my way. But I was held up by a demonic forces. I had to fight my way through. I had to call in for some backup. You can read Daniel 10 uh, on your own. But the, the idea is that... Daniel, before he ever started praying, those angelic beings were en route. They were already on their way. The idea of thin places. Paul says it this way in Acts chapter 17. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Again, present tense. He is not far from any of us. Not he will be. Not someday he might be. See, in Western religion, that separation, we've put Jesus in the nursing home. We love him, and we think about him during the week, but we only come visit him on the weekend, and, and, and we talk to him, and then we go back to our lives. God says the spiritual world is always all around us. It's already there. There are any number of thin places. And later this year, I hope that we're going to be able, I would like to take this into a class setting. And we do a class and talk about all the thin places and all the, the, the times where those worlds bleed in. But for this series, we're specifically going to focus in on the thin place of worship. Because worship, now, if you've been around very often, you've heard me say, all of our lives are worship. That's why Paul says we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. In Romans 12, this is your spiritual act of worship. What he's saying is that everything you do is worship. When you go to work, you're worshiping. When you go home, you're worshiping. Your parenting is worship. Your, your uh, marriage is worship. Whatever you do is worship. But there is a time when we specifically focus in on God. When we come together as a body to meet one another, to be with one another, and to seek God together. Those times of worship are thin places. Those times of worship, God tells us, when two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Not there I will be. Not if you do it right, I'll show up. I'm already there. Thin places. And we're going to talk about the different ways that worship is a thin place because worship is a thin place that opens our eyes to the presence of God that's what it is and when we seek him our eyes like Elisha's servant are open to what's already there if you have your Bibles this morning go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 6 because in Isaiah chapter 6 we see a specific time of worship we see Isaiah involved in a direct encounter of worship, and I believe that there are a few things there that we can take away as we enter into times of worship, as we enter into the thin place of worship. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. The first thing I want us to notice is that worship involves an upward focus. Worship involves us focusing on God. Now, you'll hear people talk about coming to worship. And, and that's okay to say, but just because we came to a certain place at a certain time does not mean we're worshiping. Just because we sat in a certain chair in a certain place doesn't mean that I'm worshiping. My worship involves my focus. I need to have an upward focus. Let me give you an example. If, if we pretend that this is God, right? God's sitting right there. And so I decide that I'm going to come and see God, and I sit right here. Now, I'm in God's presence, but am I focused on Him? Sort of, maybe. But when my focus changes, when I'm engaged, now I'm in worship. Because now I'm focused on Him. Now we can actually have a conversation. Now we can actually experience one another. That's how I'm changing my focus. Just being in God's presence does not necessarily mean that I'm worshiping because as we're seeing in thin places, I'm always in the presence of God. It's about my focus. And so first, worship must have an upward focus. Pick it up in verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. The second thing that worship does is it creates in me an inward focus. Because when I come into contact, when I come into focus with the Holy King of glory, it only serves to instill in me, to remind me, to bring glaringly to my view how unholy I am. When I connect with God in worship, it convicts me of sin. I start to realize I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be in the presence of God because I am not worthy. And true worship is going to create in me that inward focus. Finally, worship must have an outward focus. Isaiah verse eight, 6 verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. 
When we truly encounter the presence of God, when we truly focus on God in worship, when we truly get our inward focus and are convicted of our own sinfulness, and then when we truly find our salvation in Him, we cannot help but share that good news with the world. We want to tell everybody what God has done in our lives. And that's part of what we're going to be doing here on Wednesday night. We're not inviting these kids here to give them candy, y'all. I hope you figured that out. That They can get candy anywhere. We're inviting them here to show them the love of Jesus. We're inviting their families here so that they'll be more comfortable on this campus. Because sooner or later, they're going to experience a thin place. Birth, death, life, something. And they're going to experience the presence of God and they're going to say, I need to go to church. And you know where they're going to go? They're going to go where they feel comfortable. And so we open our doors and we invite the community in so that we can show them this is a body of loving people. This is a body who wants you here. This is a body that wants to share the love that we have found in Jesus Christ with each and every one of you. Because worship, true worship, is going to promote an outward focus. The presence of God is all around us. We see that over and over and over in thin places. And as we experience worship, as we connect with God in worship, we find His presence bleeding into our world. Over the next three weeks, we're going to look at how we connect in the thin place of songs, singing. How we connect in the thin place of prayer. And how we connect in the thin place of meeting God at the table. And how those elements of our worship help us focus in on the presence of God that's already all around us. I hope you'll be with us. This morning, hopefully some of our songs, some of our prayers, some of the Word of God has promoted that inward focus in you. And, and maybe this morning you're sitting here going, you know, i, I got to get something right. If you're feeling that, that's not from us. That's from God. And we're here to tell you, we're not going to tell you how to get it right because we ain't got that kind of uh, knowledge. What we do know is how to get you in touch with the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal body. That same Spirit will come to live inside of you and then you get it all together. It's not about getting it all together and then coming to God. You got it backwards. You come to God and then He gets it all together for you. We're going to offer an invitation right now and that's just a time when we sing a song. And if you would like us to pray with you, if you'd like us to lift you up, if you'd like us to, to, to hold you and, and, and be part of your walk, of your thin place, we would love to do that. We would be honored and blessed to be a part of that. And so that's what this song is about. And hopefully, not just during the song, but anytime, that's what this body exists for, is to connect with you and help you connect with the real power. If we can help you in any way, I hope you'll come right now while together we stand and sing.